What's going on, podcast fam? It's your boy, Jason Craig, a.k.a. the Friendly Neighborhood Dreadhead. And we are back with another interview. I know it's been a while since I did one of these guys. I'm sorry. But I got these two gentlemen right here that we're going to be talking to and just shooting the shit with today. Uh, these two are co-creators of um, it's Four Colors, right? Four Colors? Four Color <laughs> Comics, yeah. Yeah. Okay. For, okay. See, I read the email wrong. That's my bad. <laughs> <laughs> All good. All right. So these are the co-creator of Four Color Comics, Mr. Wells Thompson and Dalton Shannon. How are you guys doing? Doing fantastic. How about yourself? I'm, yeah, I'm doing, doing really well. good. I'm, I'm I'm a little tired, but I'm never I'm tired. too tired of podcast. I, I love yeah. doing, <laughs> I love doing this. And I also want to let you guys know, both you guys have. Both you guys have two first, two last names. That's true. <laughs> it, it happens. It happens. <laughs> happens all the time. <laughs> but uh, we are here today to shoot the shit with you guys and tell us a little bit about your comic and whatnot. So I'm going to just go ahead and start asking some of these questions. Sure, so it. how did you two meet? Or you got like long-term friends? Like uh, it was we a met, really uh, bad farmersonly.com date. Oh, not for you. Don't you hate when that happens? Oh, yeah. I hate it. <laughs> he's not even a farmer. I don't know what he's no. doing on that website. I was lying uh, out my ass is what I was doing. <laughs> uh, we, we, met at, uh, we met at college. Uh, we were in the same uh, creative writing classes, uh, doing a lot of screenplay stuff, a lot of prose stuff. And, uh, and, and then outside of that, even, we met... Uh, through his uh, then girlfriend, now wife, uh, we became friends, and then uh, she introduced me to Dalton. So we met each other a couple different ways, and then uh, eventually just decided that you know this guy's funny. I want to keep him around. Uh, okay, okay. So now you guys have known each other. Ain't like you've grown a friendship. Now mm-hmm. it's said that it's very hard to go in business with your friends sometimes. How is it trying to? How is it navigating a business relationship and a friendship? It's very uh, I easy take... being very far apart. <laughs> <laughs> we do we do live in different states that keeps yeah. a little bit of distance there. Okay. Uh, but yeah, if I had I... to see your face every single day at the <laughs> office, we would. If this would be difficult, but you know what? Distance makes the heart grow fonder. Wells, I miss you. <laughs> I miss you too, bud. No. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, no, I take uh, every every bit of criticism he says extremely personally. We have screaming matches mm-hmm. all the time, and uh, mm-hmm. we, we're okay. we're very friendly with each other. And and I mean, like, there's a soft ribbing I think that comes with okay. like uh, that we both like to do anyway. So we we get our frustrations out in small bursts. Uh, but no, we we have a we have a really good understanding. It's it's generally like we know what our strengths are, and we generally are. are Find to defer to the other one when uh, when it, when we need to, you know, step aside, yeah, or or take uh, charge when we when we know we're better at one thing or another. Yeah, it's okay. a healthy working relationship. I, I don't think we've ever had uh, a session where we uh, we came out of it hating the other, maybe wanting to kill the other, but not not hating. You know. Okay. 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 I I, I got you. I got you. So, what? Had so I'm assuming that you guys are in the comics because you guys started four colors comics. What mm-hmm. got awkward you, if we didn't? Yeah, <laughs> real awkward. 
you'll be surprised. <laughs> that is that's my first question to everyone that I see at a convention is uh, like when they pass by my booth, I'm like, hey, do you like comics? Like when we're at a comic convention, I ask that and you would be just shocked the amount of people that are like, no. <laughs> it's a I'm like, well, I'm glad 65%. I asked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people. Just, well, I can tell. I can tell you a few reasons why a few why some men go to comic conventions. But yeah, a lot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a lot. Um, a lot of people they're not there for the comics. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. they're just there for the experience. Because um, I, I went to a few small ones and they're fun. I want to go to a big one, Comic Con. Please invite me mm -hmm. one day. <laughs> uh, so for a press pass, I'm sure they'll let you in. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, hopefully because I, I I saw them tickets. Uh, <laughs> so, um, what was the inspiration for you guys to start start this comic? Like start this comic label? Pure desperation. Okay. Uh, it was, we all well, yeah. After after college, uh, we were kind of in that 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 zone in between decisions. You know, like. We knew what we were going to do in college, and then college ended, and then we were trying to find an avenue to do what we wanted to do. And Wells was trying to like get a novel off the ground, and I was trying to make comics work. And uh, it was kind of we were kind of in that weird limbo space. But uh, then I just came to Wells with a, a script for a comic that just like wasn't working. I was like, I, I can't figure this out. Uh, what am I doing wrong? Like, what, what what's going on? And he had never really written comics before, but he took a stab at it uh, and actually fixed the problem that was at the root of the, the story itself. And uh, then I was like, well, hey, how do you feel about comic books? And Wells is like, don't you do this to me. And then <laughs> six years later, uh, here we he are. Was, yeah. yeah, here we are. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we, we, had, we had attempted a couple of other like collaborations with different mm -hmm. friends uh doing a couple different things i had done a couple i had done like a podcast with a friend of mine that uh the podcast itself i'm really proud of and it, it uh did pretty well it got a pretty good listener base but uh unfortunately things just ended pretty badly between me and the friend uh right. so that so like you said earlier it can be hard to go into business with your, with your friends but uh so that was a kind of an example of, of that happening um and so, yeah, I was a little bit nervous to, to try and do that again. But like he said, uh, we were trying to go at this alone. And um, I don't know. There's an expression that comes to mind. If you want to go somewhere fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Uh, it just turned out that we went a lot further together. So, okay. yeah, it, it worked out for us. It, it was a natural kind of synergy between our writing styles. Mm -hmm. we, we got along great. We had great ideas bouncing off of each other. And so uh, it wasn't so much like any one decision that led to us working together, so much it was just the adhesion of us being around each other. Uh, we oh. couldn't really break away. Uh, I, so, okay. So now we're going to go a little back in the past. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to ask you guys one by one. Like I said, I'm kind of trying to get used to interviewing two people at once. <laughs> you good? I'll, be repeat, I'll be repeating the same question over and over again. But Wales, where like where are you from and how was it how was it like for you growing up uh i'm from uh little rock arkansas uh which is you know a small city in the middle of nowhere but uh and it, if we're being honest growing up was pretty boring uh, there wasn't a lot to do like it's 
uh it's not the most like big happening place or anything and uh i i'll admit like i definitely grew up with privilege but i didn't have a lot of like you know big advantages or aspirations or anything i i knew what i wanted to do pretty early i knew i wanted to to be a writer at about 13 and just worked toward it since then because there wasn't really anything else to get around to doing we watched movies we stole street signs you can see up there <laughs> and and you know uh i played i played the saxophone in band and that was the the biggest part of my life at the time was just like being in band and being good at playing music and uh once that ended i, I didn't have any real reason to stick around so uh you know, I went to college not far from where I uh, grew up in uh, in Conway, ECA, where I'm at Dalton, and uh, now I've moved out to uh, Nashville, and might be moving somewhere again pretty soon. I'm not sure, but uh, but yeah, no, I'm. <laughs> I wish I wish there was like a big grand story of like you know my you know, my parents taught me a love for literature or something like that, and wanted <laughs> me want to be a writer, but really it was just I was bored and I needed to write stories to get out of my own head, like. <laughs> I had, right. had to find a way to entertain myself. All right. Well, you know what? Since you said you play the saxophone, man, mm -hmm. now you're going to be called Will, Will the Sax Man Thompson. <laughs> I uh, hope so. Oh, I hope not. I hope not. I don't... That'll go right to my head. Trust me. No. I will. <laughs> nah, man. I, I, I recoined that nickname for him. He, he's Will the Sax Man Thompson. Mm -hmm. right. now, now you got to reprint the business cards. <laughs> it's fine. I got to start playing saxophone again. <laughs> Gotta dig that out of the closet. Oh jeez. So 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 Dalton, same question to you. Where are you where are you from and what was it like for you growing up? Uh so I am actually out of uh a suburb of Little Rock, Arkansas. Um it was uh it was good growing up. I, I had a, a really tight family, uh discovered comics at a pretty early age, about eight and uh fell in love and that was about the only thing i ever wanted to do so i, I had that pretty on pretty much on lock um my little brother and i would always hang out and had a pretty tight friend group all through high school um you know it, it like well said it, it's arkansas so there's not a it's, ton to do it's just uh, boring it it's really just, is it's it's hanging out with friends playing video games stealing street signs uh or if, if you want to get like really creative you can always go cow tipping i guess i don't know um <laughs> sounds fun it's <laughs> let me tell you they're faster than you think but first uh, of all i'm a small black man so just seeing <laughs> a big ass cow run after me that's gonna be terrifying Whew, dude it's it's scary uh especially when the bull gets involved that that's not fun <laughs> uh, but uh, after after high school uh me and my friends all pretty much went to the the same college. We kept hanging out, and that's where I met Wells and met my wife. Uh, and I started really kind of because I've been writing since I discovered comics, writing and drawing. Uh, I leaned more towards writing, of course, uh, but I was kind of just kind of mm, bulldozing my way through it, kind of self teaching. Mm -hmm, and right. then college came around and I was actually able to like learn craft and figure out what uh, a denouement was. I was like, oh, so that's the thing that I've been doing. It has a name. Okay, cool. <laughs> and uh, I got to have like real feedback and discussions with people that it was great for uh, 
you know, actually becoming a better writer. And after that, I moved up to the northern part of the state to be with the missus. And now we're both in uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin, just kind of doing our thing up here. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it growing up was was not too bad at all. It was it was a privilege, and uh, I, I'm glad that I get to keep making comics because that's all I've ever done in my life, and I don't know what I could do if I didn't do comics. So it's it's pretty okay. Yeah, well, you know, that's what's up, and um, I mean this with no disrespect, but Dalton, I gotta say f you because you we live in the Green Bay, Wisconsin. I'm a Chicago Bears fan. Uh, <laughs> oh, hey, so, uh, well, it's I'll tell you. I'll tell you right off the bat, uh, it's real awkward for me because I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan. Mm. What? How are you alive? Like, well, uh, I told you know, that was the first thing he said. Oh, I think I'm moving up to uh, Green Bay, and I went, "You have Vikings? What are you?" The doing? first rule go to is, Paul. <laughs> the first rule is always bring a six pack wherever you go, and <laughs> it, it was fine. People uh, will forgive a lot of stuff if you bring booze. Yeah, yeah, unless you're a Bears fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's see that that's what's helped up here because we're both united in that hate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, podcast over, y'all. <laughs> All right. It's, 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 it's like I can't abide. I'm gonna have to put a new like line for for filtering people out. Like, hey, you like the uh, you like the Green Bay Packers? No, you're not showing up on this one. <laughs> it's okay. My my co-host is a Cowboys fan and. F the cow, F the Cowboys. So I, I think we can all agree. Okay. We can all agree. See, I knew. See, see, Dawn, See, I started liking you again. I started liking you again. I love my mother. I love my mother to death, but I get a little sick during football season because she's a Cowboys fan. Oh. Where, do they, where do they come from? It's, it's like they Texas, come out of apparently. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, every everything bad either comes from Florida or Texas. So like it just kind of spawns. It's like it just kind of figures out. I was in what state was I in? I was in Tennessee, and there were Cowboys fans. I'm like, why are y'all here? America's team. Shameful, shameful. <laughs> but <laughs> enough, about, but enough about football because I go on about that. Um, so you guys are fans of comics. What was the comic? I'm, I'm put y'all on the spot. I'm put y'all both y'all on the spot. This is a question for both of y'all. Mm-hmm. What put y'all on comics? Like, what was the first comic you read and said, you know what? That's that shit that I like. Watchmen, probably. Okay. Which is a weird starting point. It's a very strange onboarding place. Wait, how old were you? I was uh, probably probably 16. Okay. Okay. Um, I thought you were like 10. (laughs) How did that get I don't think any 10 year old is equipped to understand what's going on in Watchmen. But no, like, obviously, I, I appreciate it more now. Uh, that I'm a little bit more familiar with what it was trying to deconstruct and what it was trying to do. Uh, But I was just coming at it from, like, uh, a literature background. I I love, you know, like, kind of contemporary American books. Uh, Your, you know, F. Scott Fitzgerald's, your uh, J.D. Salinger's, your Heller's, your Vonnegut's. Like, that's my jam. That's that's where I kind of learned to love reading and writing. Uh, And so, yeah, I, I don't even really... I think it was a result of honestly the movie coming out, like right. Watchmen the movie. Uh, it was just like in the conversation. I watched it. I you know thought that was long, but you know there were some cool parts to it. So I picked up the book and I'm like, oh, this is what they were doing. Okay, this is really good. Um, and 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 
that kind of grew into uh, an obsession with uh, with uh, eventually like Scott Pilgrim uh, was the was like the next book that uh, I read that really hooked me in. And I think that one is is more or less responsible for, you know, hooking me on comics as, a, as in general. And then meeting Dalton and, and having him get me a little like introduce me uh, more and more to bigger names and, and runs of particular like uh, like Doom Patrol, for example. He showed me a couple of great runs of um, just learning more about like classic comics through that way. Uh, yeah, absolutely hooked me and, and got me more invested in, in the medium as a whole. Okay, okay, that's what's up. Well, Dalton, mm -hmm. now the floor is on you. What uh, got you in the comics? Uh, cartoons. Okay. It was, uh, yeah, I I was a kid of, uh, I was born in 92, which is the same year the Batman and X-Men premiered. So, like, I was growing up on all of those 90s superhero shows. Uh, and I was obsessed with Spider-Man in particular. And uh, I was eight and I saw a John Romita Jr. Spider-Man cover staring me in the face on a spinner rack in the year 2000. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? Oh. And I was like, I was like, Spider-Man. And I picked it up and I was like, whoa, that's cool. And uh, I, I never looked back. I was like, you mean, you mean to tell me I can get more Spider-Man through this? Like, I don't have to wait for it to be on TV. I can just there's like a hundred spider-man books i'll just that's great that's awesome i got a big old like spider-man encyclopedia for my birthday and all sorts of cool stuff uh so i was obsessed with comics from there uh but it wasn't until i read captain underpants uh, a novel series from dave pilkey that i remember that but that was what made me want to make comics because the the main characters are two eight-year-old boys who make comic books about their own superheroes and i was like i can i can do that easy cake and then I just started making my own comics and never looked back. So it, it, it's a very easy pinpoint. And I've, I've always been, I, I've been, I don't think I've missed a Wednesday since I was like 13 or so. Like I, I comics are my life. Hey, I feel that man. Well, you got in there a little bit earlier than me mm -hmm. because me, I, it was like when, um, I remember it was at a scholastic book, book fair. And oh, yeah. I, Classic book fair. That was where Captain Underpants was. Yeah, that that's where Captain Underpants was. Don't watch that movie, y'all. That movie shit. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! You're a Bears fan and you hate that movie. I fight words. Fight words. I do because I read the books and I'm like, I love it. Also, I'm I'm an animation fan and that animation it just didn't look right to me. All right, all right. We're gonna have to agree to disagree. I can't. We can't go into a diet <laughs> Captain Underpants the movie. Okay. Hey, hey, but but the books are amazing though. I love those but, books. Uh, <laughs> but I will say this: uh, one of my first comics I ever got was like it was it was a Spider-Man comic, and it wasn't like one of the one of the newer ones, like one of the modern ones. It was the one when he had the Spider-Mobile. I'm Hell like, yeah. that, is, <laughs> that is silly. Yeah. That is silly and crazy. I want that. <laughs> Yes. I want it. <laughs> and then I mean, that, you know, that means it worked. The Spider-Mobile yeah. only exists to sell toys of a Spider-Mobile. Right. So it worked. Right. And uh I will say this. Um like Spider-Man became my favorite. And then just like you, I grew up on the Batman, the anime series. I was born in 93. Mm -hmm. So I so I caught him on syndication. Mm -hmm. I, I was watching Batman, then the anime series, then we had Justice League, Justice Superman. League. Mm -hmm. Superman, of course, um, like 
people talk about the MCU, y'all. Y'all, y'all don't want, for everybody that's not that's born before before anybody born born after ninety nine. Y'all do not know DC was winning back. Oh like yeah, Marvel, Marvel ain't had nothing on they on like Marvel had nothing on their shows. Yeah, they had X Men, they they had Spider Man, but we had Batman, Justice League, Superman. Oh yeah. Uh, Static Shock? You know, Static Shock was great. Holy crap. Oh, fantastic. Man, Uh, for me, that's my favorite. That's my, Mm -hmm. like, Spider-Man Static. Well, Spider-Man just because, oh, this is a kid. Mm -hmm. It's a kid as a superhero. Like, I can see myself. Then when Static, I saw Static on TV, like, it's a black kid as a superhero. I can (laughs) definitely see myself. I said, I need need more. I need more. So, and also... uh, Thank you to the great Dwayne McDuffie Hell for, yeah. for, for mm-hmm. the late great Dwayne McDuffie because that is that that helped a lot of kids like me. Awesome. I think. Yes, but uh, but go ahead, Wells. Oh no, I was just saying. I like the other day. I remember uh, Brianna <laughs> just was like, "So, wait, what's the? I don't under what's the deal with Superman? I don't get it. Why? Why do people? Why do you like him? Why do people like him?" And I just like I was just like, "I'm not gonna explain it to you because I can't." I can't explain it to you. I just sat her down and we uh, and I, I looked for uh, Justice League Unlimited, uh, the episode for the man who has everything. Oh, and yeah. we sat down and watched that. And at the end of it, she was just like, well, that hurts. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, sometimes you got to let it be like, because people, okay. You got to get him here. Yeah. <laughs> I can get why people don't like Batman Superman because you know they're being they they've been pushed down throats since the dawn of time, it mm. feels like. But I do tell people this you may you may hate both of them, but they have some of the comp they have some of the most complex stories. Even Superman, Superman's the strong strongest strongest being on the planet. He still has problems too. Yeah. I remember there was a comic, he went to court. <laughs> like, <laughs> like like Batman, same thing. Uh, Batman, I don't know. I don't know if y'all. I don't know why y'all like Batman, but I've always liked Batman just because of the psychology of the character and the psychology of the villains. He will forever be my favorite. Like I, I don't know why somebody that crazy is my favorite. My favorite villain, but it works because it's like, wow. If it wasn't for Batman, there'd be no Joker. If there wasn't for no Joker, there would be no Batman. So yeah. <laughs> So no, a I mean, guy myself. He's he's a big Superman guy. I'm a big Batman guy, and I'm I'm partial to like Mister Freeze and Scarecrow. I like the B list villains that like that like only uh, comic nerds and and people who really dig into it are like, oh, these guys are interesting. Like I mm-hmm. love the hell out of Scarecrow, and and oh, yeah. no one that <laughs> no one that like is only familiar with the movies understands why at all. <laughs> and also Dalton, Dalton doesn't understand why at all. But I like Scarecrow. Oh, Scarecrow's Scarecrow's great. We <laughs> talk about that new design where he had the glove that had was syringes. Yeah, the syringe glove. That's amazing. Oh, yeah, man. First of all, That's scary as hell. First of all, somebody need to give these Batman writers a hug because <laughs> these some of these latest Batman runs. I'm like, who hurts y'all? <laughs> it's DC. The answer is always it's DC. DC. <laughs> DC <laughs> And the, the comic book market, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, um, so as far as like you know, 
four, we're going to talk about four color comics. Like, what is the goal? What is y'all's overarching goal for four color comics? Make it for a living. <laughs> make, yeah, make comics. comics. Uh, Not hopefully, have to have make a day some job. money making comics. Like, oh yeah, hopefully, yeah. quit the day job at some point. Yeah, uh, yeah. Four color, four color really just was a, a brain trust that Wells and I kind of mm-hmm. established. We, we were, you know, we were planning on, uh, kind of having like a, a super group in and of itself. But uh, mm-hmm. we, we quickly found out that uh, we're just two writers who don't have a whole lot of artistic skills outside of that, and uh, this is going to be real difficult. So it, it was just us, and uh, we just kind of put that brand on on everything. Yeah. And uh, started off doing ash cans. Convincing, yeah. <laughs> convincing an artist that like, no, trust us, our ideas are really good, and you should yeah. like, we can go far together. Uh, is way harder when people are willing to pay the money for their art. So <laughs> yeah, for real. So we learned we had to start paying money for the art. Yeah, right. Yeah, because uh, my art sure wasn't cutting it, and uh, <laughs> but but eventually we uh, that that little stamp is still on the back of our books. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's still that uh seal of seal of quality i don't, I don't know if quality is the word but uh it's it definitely is a, at least a warning sign for some people <laughs> oh, all right wells and dalton worked on this book stay away <laughs> all right so um do you guys do you guys stay uh stick to a specific genre or do you guys want to branch out? no no we, we try no, and diversify as much as possible Okay. We started off pretty pretty heavy in uh, horror. Horror, uh, yeah, that was uh, sort of our first dalliance with mm-hmm. with comics. Was we did a lot of horror. We we came out with a horror anthology called Descent into Dread, um, and that was you know successful for us. And we really enjoyed working on it. But uh, we don't want to be like pinned down as horror writers, mm-hmm. uh, just like in general. I I like working in every genre. I like doing lots of things, which is why. We've made comics that are sci-fi in all ages, and we've made comics that are super violent and brutal, and and have uh, you know uh, super adult themes, and are uh, sort of more like out there fantasy western stuff. Um, and we have even stranger stuff coming up still. Like we we've got uh, lots of different stuff that we work on. The common thread is just like really good like solid characters in really yeah. interesting stories with sort of uh out there concepts yeah good hooks and good characters like that's kind of mm-hmm. the meat of every story and then everything else is kind of set dressing right right and i'm actually kind of glad that you guys are you know dwelled like dived in the horror genre because uh to be honest I'm, i've yet to see that many horror horror comics nowadays we we, there was a lot back before we were even born because you know of the whole comic before the comics code authority mm-hmm. messed everything up but but yeah like it's like people just try to stray away from that and then just nowadays it's just true crime comics and those are cool but mm-hmm. i don't there's be a, yeah, there's a i feel like there's a there's of, been a bit of yeah there's yeah. a big surge of horror i feel like there's been a revival years. yeah okay i just probably just haven't been, been looking probably, at the right channels I'd probably mark yeah. it at witches was kind of the, mm-hmm. the new the turning kickoff point. point. That was the kickoff in okay. like I think it, 2013. Snyder and Jock doing witches, that. and then everybody started like, oh, indie horror sells, and uh, you, and then you get that's when you get Harrow County by Cullen Bunn, 
Uh, I was going to say, Cullen Bunn, huge horror yeah. writer. He's doing a lot of prolific mm -hmm. work. Uh, Lonnie Nadler is doing a lot of good stuff. Tinian uh, is still doing horror. Like, yeah, uh, Tinian is doing something is killing the children. That's on like mm -hmm. what issue twenty five or something like that. Yeah, uh, horror is back in a big way. It's just mostly in the uh, the indie space than it was in the the mainstream like yeah. it was back in the uh, the fifties and the the seventies. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah you're not seeing. Yeah, I was gonna say you're not seeing a lot of like DC and uh, what do you, uh, DC and Marvel. Uh, stuff that's doing like Especially major horror stuff. Like you have, you have like Marvel dipping their toe in it with stuff like Marvel Zombies, and, and but that's less of like we're gonna do a full horror book than it is like oh here's a trend we're gonna chase after for a second, yeah, and then probably yeah. forget about forever. Um, yeah. No, but like Image and Boom uh, and and stuff like that are Dark Horse with Hellboy and stuff. Like there's there's plenty of great horror comics out there. Uh, and and frankly, even more so in like the indie comics, like the very indie comic space, the very yeah. small publishers. Kickstarter is littered with them. Kickstarter, yeah, especially has tons of them. Yeah. Like Frankenstein the Unconquered. Yeah. Such as, yeah. <laughs> so segue into that. Um, can you tell us a little bit, like, can you tell us a little bit about um, the um, about the book that you guys are pushing? Like give the audience a little taste of it if you can, if you can. I want y'all beat my ass once we get off camera because yeah, it's it's Frankenstein with a sword. Like it's Frankenstein meets Conan the Barbarian. Uh, that's that's the the basic elevator pitch. But it's mm -hmm. five hundred years after Shelley's original novel. Uh, Frank falls from the ice and uh, sees an opportunity to start a new life. Uh, with a world that's just kind of as broken as, as he is, but uh, with a, a monster like Frank that has a bit of a, a chip on his shoulder, an inherited one at that, like, uh, he doesn't always make the best decisions, and so he's conquered continents and pissed off all the wrong people and got exiled into space. And now we're picking up where he's come home, and uh, that revenge quest has begun, and uh, it's just a lot of over-the-top action, a lot of bloody fun, and if it belongs on a Megadeth album cover, it belongs in this book. Amen. <laughs> People that know me, they know I like, I like, cra I like crazy, and I like fun, and that sounds like it is right up my alley. It's crazy fun. Yeah. Yeah. We we wanted to do something that's like almost self serious to the point of parody. Like <laughs> it's it's over it's so over the top and and sort of takes itself so seriously you can't help but have a good time with it. It's like um, Judge Dredd in a sense, where there's just so yeah, serious that's all actually, the time it's almost a parody. I've yeah. I've never thought of it that way, but it really does have that kind of element to it. Wait, so yeah. we talking about we talking about the nineteen was it the nineteen eight the the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dredd? Oh, I'm talking about the comics uh, from oh. 2000 AD. Like that's I mean, yeah. without the without the uh, inherent political bench that Judge Dredd that good Judge Dredd stories have, but oh, yeah. uh, but uh, th those things are just so like stalwart serious all the time mm -hmm. that it's just it's hilarious love it yeah that car the carl urban version is is sort of what i was <laughs> what i was referring to just that like he just constantly has this permanent scowl you never see mm -hmm. this top part of his face <laughs> and he's so earnest that like and 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 cripplingly violent that it's it it you can't help but kind of chuckle at it you're like <laughs> this is this man takes himself entirely too seriously and then you start to think about what like went into it and what's behind it. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, that's dystopic. Yeah. That's horrible. But 
but our Judge Dread punches supernovas. Oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like fun. That's like, you know what? Take my money now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you do, you do, and you can what? spend your money now at www.kickstarter.com. <laughs> oh, tr- trust me. The, yeah. All these people, y'all gonna make me broke. I, I, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I saw someone on Twitter today say, "Can we? Can, would it be okay if I started a Kickstarter to raise funds for all the Kickstarter projects I back? <laughs> because there's too many of them." It's either it's, it's either that or start selling crack. Um, but but so okay, that sounds really really cool. So um, when it comes to you know. You know, when it comes to the, you know, we got our mainstream like our DCs and our Marvels. Do you feel like now indie comic, like indie developers, they're starting to get more, more spotlight now that we're getting all these indie comics uh, adapted that people did not know were comics at first? Like, you know, um, I, st- I still classify it. I don't care what people say. I still classify images indie, even yeah. though, even though, like, they're still classified indie, like. No, they got big from The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. Invincible, which is amazing. Yeah, I suggest y'all go watch that. Oh, the comedy's great. Comedy's Don't amazing. watch Invincible like or read Invincible as it was coming out. Yeah, yeah, that's I, a great book. Uh, I read. Yeah, I, uh, okay. yeah, I, I, yeah, I think in a textbook sense, Image is still indie. Right, like yeah. it, it, it's hard to look at the success of, of that company and, and say they're anything else than part of the big three, but uh, I, in regards to like indie comics, kind of like gaining a foothold in an industry like comics uh, in, in a mainstream sense, I think we're seeing shifts, uh, especially in a case of something like webtoons, uh, right. where there are way more people, way more eyes on a, a slice of life rom-com comic on webtoons than ever read the latest issue of batman this month like I mean, really there there is a tidal wave of of talent and uh readership that uh is just not being fulfilled by those big three companies uh so i i do think that there is I think indie books are starting to kind of carve out that space and Kickstarter is allowing a lot of those uh, independent voices to actually have a, a chance to kind of uh, gain an audience and gain a foothold in and, yeah. and become a reality. Uh, whether that's, whether that foothold is going to lead to like a huge mainstream acceptance of indie comics. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Cause I think with the internet, everything's just going to be bubbled essentially. But right. I do think that we're entering a world where even if an indie comic isn't the the hottest thing in the mainstream market that everyone is reading, we're also going to be entering an era where that indie comic doesn't have to to still be successful. Yeah. Right. Okay. In 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 a in a real way, it's it's never been easier to get involved mm-hmm. in making comics and it's never been harder to get your comic seen. But right. at the same time, like yeah, no, uh, indie indie uh, publishers and indie uh, uh, creators are getting to a point where they're... I'm not going to knock on Delusion's grandeur and be like, it's as big as DC. It's not. It's just not. Uh, but, like, it, it's growing in a very real, mm-hmm. visceral way. 
And uh, I, you know, think at the very least one day we're, we're getting to a point where indie books are going to, if not eclipse in terms of like actual sales, in terms of like in excitement and where people recognize this is where talent are, this is where really exciting stories are happening. That's becoming more and more obviously pointed in the indie direction. Um, I think, you know, if you look every 20 to 30 years or so, there's a big, there's a big indie swell and there's a big like, uh, you know, show stopping industry changing thing, like creative shift that happens in the indie sphere. Uh, and we're we're coming up on that. Uh, last time it happened, uh, Image was founded and completely ruined everything, <laughs> uh, <laughs> according to some people. Um, <laughs> before that, it was Zine Culture, and and now it's you know web comics and and Kickstarter and stuff. And I think that uh, I think it's only going to grow from here. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's there's a chance that it will eventually bust, but I don't know what that bust could even look like. Um, right. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it plays out, but at the very I least think... for the, for the good foreseeable future, we've got a lot of growth ahead of us and that's a really exciting place to be. Right. Right. So do you feel like, um, well, just the comic industry in general, there's been a groundswell more, probably more people, more people getting into it just because of, how accessible the digital age has made comics because now you don't even have to have the physical copy you can just pull it up on your phone now oh absolutely yeah no 100 especially um especially with things like uh marvel unlimited uh where you can have literally the publisher's entire catalog at your fingertips like it's easier than ever to get into that and and then again webtoons you have uh just oceans of comics that you can access and and they're formatted specifically for the phone so you don't have to worry about pinching and zooming and all that nonsense Uh, comics biggest enemy has always been uh distribution in a sense right Uh, getting it in front of eyes um especially since the 70s but uh now we're in an age where like comics are just like there on the internet and uh, while and i can only speak for american culture in this sense but like while i don't think we're going to to see a huge thing where like everyone and their grandmother is reading comic books like we're definitely seeing comics accepted as like a thing that you can read without being you know deemed a weirdo like you could (laughs) manga is in so many public school libraries just there for the take like yeah, and, and uh, my mother's a, a public school librarian, so like she's always asking Wells and I about the latest comic books and manga and stuff to kind of fill her library with. Right. And I, I so yeah, comics are here yeah. to stay, and it's because of the internet and uh, just a, a, and I would even say like the MCU, kind of like standardizing comic book and, and typical comic book fair for a, a wider audience. Mm-hmm. Right. Making geek culture more mainstream for sure. Yeah. The 2010s, well. 2010s was a big turning point for geek culture, whether that was for the good or bad. I mean, we're going to be feeling the effects <laughs> for a while, but yeah. uh, it, it definitely helped comics kind of lose a little bit of its stigma. Right. And um, somebody, I was watching a video. 
it was, it was a philosophy on comics. I was watching the video, and what he said, it kind of stuck with me because at first I was like, that's crazy. But then I sat down and thought, like, he might have a point. But basically what he said is comics to us is how is how the Greek gods were to the Greeks. I said, that mm-hmm. is I like that is crazy. Wait a minute, they're right. <laughs> now, yeah, no, my, my, like mythology, the way mythologies. it works is it's like mythology is uh, is sort of a telling of a culture's like belief structure and customs and their heroes and their like you know the the big important cultural moments and stories that they all share. So yeah, no, in a, in a very real this is. This is literally the title of like a, uh, a a series of papers that I wrote in college. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, wow. But but yeah, no, I I would agree with that one hundred percent. Superman is is very much a you know, I I I think that the definition of hero has definitely changed from like Grecian culture to, to American culture, but it is the same in the sense that it's like an exemplar of some quality that we either claim to have or, or want to have. Um, and and as is Batman, as is Iron Man, as is Captain America, I think that all these characters fit into much the same niche that those kind of mythological stories did. Right. Like, just watch, y'all. 10,000 years from now, they're going to dig up old-ass books like, who was this Superman that these people worshipped? <laughs> they worshipped the Superman. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that... Who is was was the Batman a bat who was a man? Like what is this? <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, now we get to the fun part. Uh, it's two of y'all, so I'm kind of going to ask ask y'all the same question. I ask this to everybody. Uh, it's the Mount Rushmore question. Mm. Who who would be y'all's Mount Rushmore of comic book writers? I'll start with the sax man. <laughs> of course. Um, let's see. My personal Mount Rushmore of, of uh, writers. I'm going to resist saying Grant Morrison because I know that that's uh, one. That's that's all four faces on Dalton Shannon's. Uh, <laughs> thing. No, uh, let's see. I'm get, I'll say Alan Moore, Brian Lee O'Malley, Neil Gaiman. Um and scott snyder okay that'd be my that'd be my mount, Ru- mount rushmore i love me some some scott snyder especially when he does batman mm. i love scott snyder when he comes to batman court uh, of owls is is oh court of owls is top, definitely like top five batman arcs fighting yeah. i mean gotham nice feel like gonna fuck it up but yeah court of owls <laughs> is <laughs> court of owls is a really good batman story mm. all right mr dalton what about you um I tend to skew towards uh, cartoonists when it comes to Rushmore. Uh, so your Jack Kirby's, okay. Steve Ditko, Will Eisner, um, and look me in the eye and tell me it's not Grant Morrison. Well, yeah, look but me Morris, in the, eye. <laughs> the thing, Grant Morrison's not a cartoonist. Grant Morrison's no. strictly a writer. Um, but that—that's just me saying the historical Rushmore. Like th- those uh, those three names are on the Rushmore of anyone who's going to make an actual Mount Rushmore of comic books. But oh, yeah. Which if please gonna, don't, because yeah, that's, don't. that's an important site. But if I'm going to be selfish and I'm going to say writers for Rushmore, I mean, uh, Kirby's still going to be on that. Um, but Grant Morrison, 
probably. Um, I really love Steve Gerber's stuff from the seventies, like the Man Thing stuff and Howard the Duck and uh, the Defenders. Like that that dude had like a he had a finger on the pulse of the culture of the seventies, and it was cynical and it was. <laughs> It was goofy and it was, it was great. It's good stuff. Um, and probably, I also really like Jonathan Hickman. Hickman stuff always, uh, like, I don't know. I, I'm always like, I didn't think you could do that with comics. And here we are doing that with comics. Thanks, Hickman. And also, you made me cry. Okay, great. <laughs> Hickman is pretty fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was that was I remember one of one of the like uh, I I was applying for grad school and they uh, one of the questions one of the grad schools asked was like what writer would you compare yourself to and I was like that's a weird question I've never thought of it uh, so I asked Dalton what he thought of my writing and who he would compare it to and he was like uh probably Jonathan Hickman is who comes to mind and I'm like mm -hmm. really yeah <laughs> I, I, I I think I would I think I'd change that now you're much more of a Nick Spencer but that's just because I've gotten used to your writing style by now you're not as didactic oh, as, as Hickman is oh you <laughs> yeah I'm trying to think yeah because John Hickman I, he made a, a, uh, a lot of X-Men stories that I really that I really like I don't remember if I like Secret Wars 2015 as much I think he oh, did I think he did, I think he did, I think he did I, Man, there's been like so many iterations of Secret Wars. I don't remember which one I read. So Dude, his his Fantastic Four, his Avengers that led into Secret Wars, his X Men, um, Secret Warriors. Uh, I mean, heck, and that's just his his mainstream stuff, like his his Marvel stuff, like East of West, Manhattan Projects oh, yeah. over at Image. Of... Like that stuff is especially East of West gold, just yeah, gold. Friend, yeah, my friend Robbie, he's reading that, and it be on me every time I go to the comic book store. I say. I'll get you later. You sixty dollars right now. I can't. I can't, I can't yeah. get you right now. Oh, and it's got Nick Dragota drawing it. Uh that's a dude. Always works with the best artists. Yeah, like, um, like I said, I'm trying to get more into these, like these, you know, these smaller titles. Like, I just picked up House of, um, um what's um, House of Slaughter. No, Why the Last Man? I picked that up. Hmm. Uh, I watched, Brian K. Watched, pretty good. I watched that TV show. I said, "Hey, I'm gonna just go back to reading this book." <laughs> but, yeah uh paper but, girls is also pretty good paper yeah girls I, I i saw that they had a show for that now yeah it's, it's already canceled just canceled comic read the comic <laughs> yeah damn damn why can't y'all keep these things going but uh because the comics are better and they're already finished and they're right there yeah but you know people like to see things adapted you know like i thought I thought Invincible would never get adapted because for one, I remember reading that a while back and said, this is violent as <laughs> shit. And I don't think they can put this on TV. And then, <laughs> Jeff, and then Jeff Bezos said, hold my beer and my money. I uh, don't I necessarily can't. get the uh, allure of adaptation. Uh, like, I, I don't know why people obsess over having their things adapted to other mediums. Like, fans. Not, not, not even so much the creators. Oh, I was going to say money. No, no, no. no, no <laughs> No, I totally get that. Creators get a pretty nice paycheck when they get a movie made, but like for fans always clamoring for like, oh, if only this was a movie or if this was a game or something like, I don't, I, I don't know. That's just a mental process. I can't wrap my head around. I'm like, oh no, it'd be nice, but I don't see why it has to. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I like it, but like, 
I was not clamoring like we, I'm not clamoring for a Howard the Duck movie. Like I I saw <laughs> duck, I saw duck titties. I said, I don't know who asked for this, but I'm mad that they did. I did not have to see that. Um <laughs> oh god. That was so weird. Why? Um, oh, I, <laughs> but Gerber was not involved. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I can get what you're saying though. Well, especially now. People clamor for so much now is that like the movie market is oversaturated mm. with with comic every market that, is yeah yeah like because at first it was cool when we got like a Marvel movie every like two Marvel movies every other two years now mm-hmm. as we get four Marvel movies a year is it it's plus like the that, shows yeah plus the shows. I mean I like them like I said I like seeing things adapted like but it, it's just like that that's a lot of TV. And I'm already a movie review. I'm a movie review podcast show. Mm-hmm. So, like, y'all give me too much shit to watch. Well, you know, that, <laughs> I, you know I, I just, I, you know, I, I talk a big game. But if uh, anybody wants to write a check for Frankenstein, we're, we're right here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say, speaking, like, you know, we're, we're talking, oh, I don't know why people adapt stuff. We are literally adapting Frankenstein into a comic. It's a different spin on it, but it is Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's yeah. fair. That's a fair point. Public domain, baby. <laughs> Public domain, baby. <laughs> but yeah, Amongst man. Everyone. So I want to ask you too, because y'all are a fan of comics and whatnot, and I'm pretty sure y'all are, y'all know about the some of these modern controversies with comics. How do y'all feel about you know people are upset? Well, it's not so much now because it's died down because now they got a Black Little Mermaid to get mad about. But <laughs> how do y'all feel about? Um, you know, these these companies, mainly Marvel and DC, instead of, you know, making LGBTQ um, characters, they just take some of the scraps from what they're not using and then they they put them in that community. How do you do y'all feel like that's just playing to that crowd? You feel like that's them trying to be inclusive or y'all just be like, why? I think it depends on the time of day, honestly. Um I so that there's a there's good examples of of both here. So yeah. when DC did their New Fifty Two reboot, right, they introduced a character. Oh God, what was their name? They were specifically created and marketed and sold as a member of the uh, of the queer community, uh, and that was really the only thing about their character was right. that they were queer. Uh, there was there was nothing no rhyme or reason. I don't even know if they had a first name. That was that was their whole personality. Oh, and then wow. about a year later, they in, they introduced uh, Alan Scott, the Golden Age Green Lantern, and right. uh, they brought him in, and uh, he was gay. And that was not the only facet of his character. It was just a facet of his character. Alan right. Scott's a fascinating character with a lot of history and making him a closeted gay man in the 1940s uh, adds so much more to the character than him just being another straight white guy. Right. And uh, so I, I think when it comes to corporations trying to make a buck, uh, of course they're going to uh, cater, but they've been catering to white dudes for so long. They've already gotten all that money. So they're looking for other money to right. get, but that doesn't mean that uh, they're going to like be disingenuous with characteristics of characters 
with of those communities. Like there are genuine efforts to have representation in the media that we consume. Uh, Batwoman is also a great example. Uh, or John Kent, uh, Superman's son, uh, coming right. out as bisexual. There's like that Tim didn't Drake. feel like uh, Tim Drake. Like none of that really felt Harley like Quinn, for that matter. Harley Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn is it... like one of my favorite examples of yeah, of a oh, yeah. established character that they just like very naturally said, yeah, and this relationship works. So we're going yeah. to lean further right. into to her it, being in a it doesn't yeah feel in a disingenuous. It doesn't feel like they're catering. Mm -hmm. It feels like they're exploring different facets of a community that have been underrepresented or not represented at all for and also decades. And also a big uh, part of those characters that make them work better is uh, on a lot of those characters, they had like creative teams that were yes. a part of that community and had exactly. things to say about these characters as opposed yeah. to, yeah, let's make a quick buck. So um, it, it, yeah, it really and ultimately, depend. yeah. Uh, ultimately, I think that uh, you should uh, you should cr criticize a character first and foremost based on whether they're a good character mm -hmm. um, or not. Right. And 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 generally, one dimensional characters are bad, no matter what that one dimension is. If it's you mm -hmm. know a character who exists for the sake of being black is uh, just as you know toothless and offensive as a character that exists just for the sake of being gay. Right. Uh, and ultimately reductive and and harmful to the to the uh, kind of community that they purport to represent. So, yeah, no, I, I I totally see the frustration on on everyone's end of of that of that sort of specific representation. When you get into like the uh, bunker, his name was Bunker. When you oh, get everybody! The... <laughs> everybody hated Bunker. <laughs> <laughs> when you get to the John Kent being like bisexual and and people being mad about that, I think that that is like decently good representation, where just people were being mad about it because people wanted to get mad about something. That's their person. That's their whole personality. Is is there? These are these are people that don't look and act like me, and therefore I'm mad about it. Right. And like you said, they they have a new uh, Little Mermaid to go be mad at, so they, you don't mm -hmm. hear them talking about Jonathan Kent anymore. Um, and so in general, I think the uh, the the wise move is never to pay attention to the people whose jobs and personalities revolve around outrage, and instead mm -hmm. pay attention to the community and whether or not they like a given character. They like they think that the representation is is worth something. Because very right. often that's where it's going to live and die. That's where that character is going to is going to wind up failing. Is if that community feels like it doesn't represent them, then no one's going to pay attention to it, and they'll die in you know obscurity, like right. bunker, <laughs> like bunker. <laughs> right, and like, I can't speak on the I can't speak on the Jonathan Kent, you know him being my because I didn't read the book, but I'm a huge Tim Drake fan, and mm -hmm. when I heard that they're making him, I, I think he's bisexual as well, or he's bisexual, or, yeah, yeah. So when I heard that, I said, it makes sense. I mean, mm -hmm. out of all the bad family, he's the one that's most in tune with his feelings. Like, mm -hmm. he, actually, yeah. he actually, like, he's actually in tune. Like, he's actually not he's a been to therapy. He's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, now, I, I will say, like I said, for certain characters, I would understand that people be mad. Like, if they were to do Jason Todd that way, I like the way that his character's written, that would make no sense dude that, mm -hmm. there's so much toxic masculinity in jason todd he has to be gay yeah like, <laughs> there's Just no deeply way in the closet there, there is no way jason todd is straight 
Well, well, I would say they kind of dialed it back after three jokers. They kind of okay, let's kind of rein him back a little bit in three jokers because I was like, okay, he killed the Joker. Now what? It's like, oh, they're actually having him show a little bit of sorrow. That that's nice. I mean, took you a lot of years to do it, but that's nice. But <laughs> Daisy but, wanted uh, to see what's up. Easy. Yeah, but um, also my 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 main uh, another question I want to ask you guys: Do you guys feel that you know? These toxic people in these fandoms now. Do you feel like? Here's what I feel. I'll, I'll, uh, y'all can probably feel something different, but I feel like the more the main ones who were giving the you know the nerds and all that shit back in the day who, about liking these things. Now they're starting to get into these things, and they're still trying to find ways to make people still trying to find ways to get under people's skin because they're the ones that's spitting all this, you know. Little Mermaid shouldn't be black rhetoric, or why are there black elves in in, in, in almost Harry Potter in Lord of the Rings? Why <laughs> is there black, yeah. why are there black in the house, house of the Dragon? I just feel like these people are bringing that frat boy mentality into into the comic into the, like you know the nerd space and the nerd space. Mm-hmm. It was just never it was just never about that. It was just everybody likes what they likes. So nobody should be judged for what they like, and they shouldn't get mad if they see other. I'm not gonna get mad if I see Asian representation sure. on my screen mm-hmm. because yeah. I'm like, first of all, I live in the world. I live I live on a planet called Earth. There's more than just black people here, so yeah. so I, I don't I don't get the problem with people seeing other people. Yeah. I just never see that bigotry. I think yeah. that uh, I think there's an element of that, like you said, that kind of frat boy mentality going into it. Uh, but I think that ultimately, what it is is. A group of people that wants deep down more than anything to be normal and when they see people that don't look like them in their in their chosen hobby they take that as a personal attack like oh well if this is normal then i'm not normal and the way they think they're going to solve that is by shoving all that back in the closet uh but ultimately the only way they're ever going to be satisfied and and or or at the very least stop yelling about every single thing is once they reach the point where they realize that what's normal that not only is that normal it is really weird and unacceptable for me to be making a big deal about it for me to be like screaming about it and making people feel bad because they are represented by that or because they like that representation so until we reach that point and we can loudly say, hey, you're the weird one, stop being a jackass, I don't think they're going to to stop being upset with this sort of thing. And let's not forget, there's a lot of money to be made in like the grift machine and in outrage and in, in making hour-long takedown videos over, you know, stoop over over 30 second long uh trailers. Like there is money to be made in that, and as long as there is, then they're going to keep on grinding out uh, these these stupid videos that yeah. uh, don't really serve anybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and I, I think on on top of that, it it may not even be a, a sense of a, like a, a frat boy kind of bullying sense, but like the geek culture on its in and of itself has always had this deep, like problematic way of dealing with people outside of the nerd culture 
like you, you go back as far as uh, when comic shops were new like women kept getting side-eyed every time they walked into a comic shop yeah. nerds nerds have been were systematically put in a box for so long that comics and uh, fictional media has uh, always been their their safe space in a sense and now that it's reached critical mass in terms of pop culture identity uh, where corporations are continuously chugging them out to, to get a quick buck. Uh, now the entire world's eyes are on it, and that means that everyone wants to play, and everyone should be able to play, but that safe space is starting to feel a little more encroached upon. And those uh, those tendencies that don't necessarily get addressed often because of the communities they're in uh, aren't ever resolved, and so it, it takes the form of violent threats on the internet or, or awful videos on YouTube or, or whatever. It, it's, it's something that's kind of seated in the psychology of the community, or at least the community as it was in the 20th right. century that uh, I think the, the community as a whole needs to really take a look at it at itself. But we're, we're making strides, especially in the indie space. Uh, the indie right. space is so mm -hmm inclusive it's so accepting uh, everyone wants everyone else to succeed like everyone else is kind of pitching into each other's kickstarters uh it's only like it's only like the attention on the mainstream that tends to attract a right. whole lot of of that vitriol um and i, I don't know, i just don't see it in the indie sphere outside of like i don't know the the oh no there there is they're a there. specific indie sphere that does oh, spew that bile, it, but yeah. oh, it is a very specific sphere of the indie space. And fuck the Gators, and they don't, <laughs> they don't, they don't deserve any sort of attention. They they just need to get over themselves, yeah. right? And I and mean, like, and what piggybacking off of that? That's their rallying cry: is that like, mm -hmm. oh, they, we're the real comics fans. Like they try and puff up and and make themselves seem like they're much bigger than they are, but. They really are just a very small, insulated group of people yelling into the void and harassing people who are actually making a name for themselves and making comics, for that matter. Yeah. Also, Unlike they never make the comics. That they, they just take your money and never make. That's comics. what I'm saying. Like <laughs> they, they'll they'll talk a big game about how they're making comics, but like, how many comics have they actually made? Not right. And that's my thing. Like me, personally, like normally. That people talking shit about comics or things they don't like don't get on my skin. But the minute that people were just jumping on She-Hulk, and mm -hmm. I was like, I mean, I like She-Hulk. I mean, I still think the CGI is bad, but that's the only thing I don't like. But it's a TV like, budget. Like I don't yeah. expect it to be as good as it yeah. It's a TV, like if it's, it's it's a sitcom. I'm not there to see. I'm I'm here to get the laughs, which I get laughs. Mm -hmm. And then first of all, after that twerking episode, when people were talking about the MCU was dead, I was like. Y'all don't like to watch She-Hulk shake her ass? I, 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 I don't get it. <laughs> You're taking well, your superheroes for children very seriously. Like, I, I, I was like, <laughs> I like, did people just stop liking ass? What did I miss? <laughs> <laughs> like, after after selling a bunch of these uh, these not safe for work covers on Frankenstein the Unconquered, I can tell you the answer is uh, no, people do still like that, yeah. People mm -hmm. are still fans. Okay, we have, I, not, I, I, we have not yet. <laughs> I'm just saying, cause like you know, uh, cause people, like I said, it just it was just these overmasculine men that were putting they like you know trying to mm -hmm. spit their agenda on people. Cause they were talking about when somebody said this is not how the She-Hulk comic is. I pulled up, I pulled up 
a panel. I say, I said, you see this? They is she hope fucking. They is she hope fucking. It's grown ass men whose entire identities revolve around fictional characters who feel infantilized by twerking. Like you, they're not gonna, they're not gonna get it. It's not for them, so they can just go away. Shit, she can put that green ass on me. Um, yes, <laughs> but um, more power to you. <laughs> but um, so also okay, more questions for you guys. So when it comes to you know you and, and y'all's artists. Like, I know for certain artists, you know, you have to get to that wavelength, you know, to where you get you give them your script and they, they know what you guys expect. Do, are y'all are y'all on the, the same wavelength as your artist or, or are y'all still trying to take time to get there with the artist? Like, or does he just automatically know how to work off work off y'all's um, work off y'all's script? Oh, Mary comes back with stuff even better than yeah. what we, we gave her. She's great. <laughs> Okay. We've been really fortunate in the people that we've worked with really elevating the, the stuff that we've given them. And like, I think, I think we bring, you know, pretty good material overall. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, no, um, um, what it, Mary, uh, Mary Landro, very young, uh, very, uh, talented, uh, comic artist. Every time we give her a script, she comes back with gold. She comes back with something really impressive. Um, like there occasionally we make little uh tweaks here and there but but usually it's it really blows us away so yeah i'd say i'd say we're on a pretty good wavelength with her right now and uh yeah no super happy and privileged to be working with her okay well you know what now for somebody okay um what advice would you give to all the people out there um both y'all can chime if you want to what advice would you give to all the aspiring comic book writers and artists out there how do they get started how do you how do you get started writing comics uh just do it you just start <laughs> like th that sounds super basic but that's kind of what we had to do is just mm. do it like like you like you can spend all day uh like writing your own scripts or, or or making plans and all sorts of stuff but until you actually like get your hands dirty uh, and like find an artist or, or draw it yourself. Uh, like your comics aren't going to get made. Mm -hmm. uh, and in an industry, in an entertainment industry, your art is your resume. And so you're not going to be getting anywhere unless you just start and just do it. And we kind of had to, we had to bootstrap it and like, <laughs> and like make our own comics to, to even to, to show that we could make comics, you know, it, it's just start, just do it. Yeah. No, I mean it like the, the easiest, the easiest, most direct way is to cough up the cash and pay an artist and get them to, to draw your thing. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, just like, you know, get, get your stuff out there and, and don't make excuses and get it, yeah. you know, get it done. Um, if, if you if you lack money, which is completely understandable, it's an ex like art is expensive. Uh, Admittedly, a it's a one-sided industry. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the, not a lot of money for writers right now, but uh, but that could change. Who knows? Um, but anthologies are a great place to start as well because mm -hmm. short. Uh, very often, they will pair you with an artist and pay the artist directly, so you don't have you're you know just providing a script uh, and maybe even getting paid for it, which is great. 
Uh, and it's it's short. It's uh, you know you're you're starting something, you're ending something. That pr it probably doesn't feel like your baby because you you probably read a prompt and and made a story based on that prompt rather than pulling from something that you've always wanted to make. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, uh, if you are gonna start and make your own series, I'd say don't probably don't start with like your the your epic hundred your your absolute baby yeah. your epic. You're like you know, 70 issue epic that, that mm -hmm. spans generations and, and tells an all encompassing story that will, you know, rival Homer. It, try and start get eight with, pages. For, <laughs> one, one, don't start with that because uh, you'll find out really quickly that that is a really, really tough prospect. And two, you're probably going to get a lot better just by starting and making comic. You're mm -hmm. going to realize you're going to make a lot of mistakes early on. So right. don't let your baby be the one that suffers for that. Yeah. It's um, like a ten thousand page. You got about ten thousand bad pages in you. Like you yeah. gotta get, gotta get rid of those and uh, chip away eight pages at a time. Eight pages are super gratifying to write because mm -hmm. they're quick, uh, they're complete, and uh, they don't have to be a fully baked idea. Like you don't have to. It could just be uh, an elevator pitch, and that's that's all the book is. Like it. That's why yeah. our that that's where we started. We did the Ashcans. We did the horror anthology, uh, and a lot of those are just half baked ideas that have cool scenes in them, uh, but they show you how to make comics. Yeah. And it's right. it's long enough that it can't just be like right one cool thing that happens. You have to build a little bit of meat on it, but it's short enough that you have to very quickly explain what you're doing and land the plane and tell a complete story, um, and that'll discipline you a lot. So mm -hmm. there's lots of little pieces of advice in there, but yeah, that would be uh, the thing I would ultimately say is like, do it, uh, be smart about how you do it and be willing to, to, you know, pay some money. Um, and if I had to cap it off, I would say uh, if you're thinking about uh, writing comics, you should probably write some prose. You should probably write some short stories. You should probably write some, you know, uh, or even poetry or whatever, put pen to paper, write down and like try and carry a story with your words yourself because the better you are at that, the better you'll be at scripting and the, and, yeah. and telling a story through pictures and dialogue. Yeah. I mean, because all the comics, all the comic script is is communication with your artist. So you just have to learn how to communicate, and uh, it's mm -hmm. it, it it's so much different than a, a film script. Even like you, you just got to learn the the lay of the land, and you're not going to do that just I don't know, just right, kind of sitting around and outlining. All right. Well, according to y'all, y'all tell me to get my lazy ass up and write. I, I, I'm going to start yeah. doing that. <laughs> Great advice. That's, that's all I needed. Well, y'all, we've been here for an hour and 10 minutes. Sorry. Mm -hmm. you probably like, I, I appreciate y'all talking. I, I wish you would shut up. But uh, <laughs> but this has been fun, man. Um, Absolutely. Before we go, um, tell us where, where uh, we can start donating to this wonderful cause of craziness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah frankenstein the unconquered is on uh kickstarter right now and will be until october 19th at 8 30 p.m mm -hmm. uh it is uh fully funded currently it has or we're, we're barreling toward our next stretch goal which will add more story uh and more uh uh add-ons and stickers and, and merch for you to buy um you can uh, find, there might be a link in this podcast. I don't know. If not, uh, you can come to uh, my Twitter at uh, at Wells Tomp or Wells Thomp T H O M P. Uh, find me. Uh, you will find a link 
uh, on my feed, probably the first pinned tweet is is yeah. a link to the Kickstarter. Um, you can if you this is if for some reason you're listening to this after the Kickstarter, you can find all of our books on kofi.com/slash Wells Thompson, kofi ko-fi, uh, and we have a storefront there. You can buy everything. Uh, through that store you can also find me at my website on wellsthompson.com and that will redirect to all of those things i just told you about all right and i just and i just put the i put the link in the comment section y'all so go ahead and check that out the really talented dudes please go check that out and uh uh, uh god damn it look like i'm spending more money <laughs> <laughs> it happens mission accomplished <laughs> Yeah, yeah mate. Yeah, y'all. This is just a, an hour shakedown of them trying to get my money. <laughs> <laughs> but no, really, you guys have been really fun. And um, uh, you've already said how to reach you, Wells, or aka the sex man. One more call. <laughs> yeah, you have to change that Twitter handle. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where can the people find you at, sir? Yeah, I, I'm on every social media that matters uh, at Dalton K. Shannon. Uh, I have a website as well. It's under construction until we uh, get uh, another project up and running. Uh, but but yeah, you can you can find me pretty much anywhere at Dalton K Shannon and uh, the Kickstarter, Ko-Fi, all that stuff. It's it's all there. All right, y'all. Well, that is it. And before we get about here, y'all know where y'all can find me. You can find me up under Brang the Popcorn under all your social medias, your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter, your TikTok. Go check out that TikTok, y'all. We we I'm mm-hmm. putting videos up there, slowly but surely. Um, we also have a link tree with all of our links there. T Public Store is still up for now. Working on the fourth wall store. It, it it's a lot of it it's a lot of merchandise options on that store, y'all. Just bear with me. <laughs> and next Friday, don't forget we got our eight hour stream for the podcast birthday. We're going to celebrate. Bucky the Popcorn Bucket and his one-year anniversary. Whoa, whoa. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. It did, I'm surprised I have not quit yet. <laughs> <laughs> Most podcasts die in the first, like, six months, so you should be proud. I think the first – I think getting past the first ten episodes is, like, a huge milestone for, for podcasting. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, if you if you make it to episode ten, it's, it's much more likely that you're going to, like, find success – and and make something of the podcast yeah so I, that's good news <laughs> yeah I, mean, I, I love doing this but i'm not going to lie to y'all when i say that watching shitty movies and reviewing them it breaks me <laughs> i believe that oh, yeah. i believe it like watching uh-huh. it's Resident- sometimes i've, like, I've been it? a reviewer of of movies and of of comics uh and uh and written reviews especially because just sitting and talking about a review you know it it'll it'll sap your soul a little but then to actually like sit down and just type it out your opinions about a movie that you or about a comic or a movie that you just didn't feel not even hated just didn't feel anything about is the most soul sucking thing you could possibly do. <laughs> yeah, give me so, a yeah, shitty I, movie over the, over a boring movie <laughs> any day. Yeah, like I'm I like I'm gonna tell y'all. So when I started this podcast, and I swear this is the industry fucking with me. Last year. <laughs> Last year, Resident Evil, Welcome to, Ra- Welcome to Raccoon City came out. I was like, that mm-hmm. was shit. Good thing I don't got to deal with another shitty Resident Evil project. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and then... Uh, and then you manifested. And then, and then this year, I had to I was, I had to watch eight episodes 
of Resident Evil, uh, Resident, e- Resident Evil, the CW version. I like. Here's, oh here's, my god. Okay, to save you a lot of stress, here's the trick. You don't have to do any of that. <laughs> you can skip it. Just be <laughs> like, guys, it's gonna be bad. All right, that's my review. We. Skip that's it. why I don't watch any more DC movies. I don't look, have to do that. I'm not look, subjecting myself to that. Well, look, I do it because for one, people just find my pain entertaining. Like <laughs> my, my friend, we did our we did our our New Year's. Um, we did our top our top five and worst five, or, or bottom five, and. Robbie and Adam, they they were just laughing at my pain when I was going about how much I hated Resident Evil Walk to Raccoon City. <laughs> I, that movie that, that movie broke me. Oh yeah. That that I'm a huge Resident Evil fan, by the way. Oh, that movie broke me. Yeah, yeah. Mine was uh BVS. Oh, Batman yeah. versus Superman. Batman versus, that was that that movie that hurt me. That movie mm-hmm. was a particular kind of pain. That yeah. The three hour the, ultimate edition. <sighs> Well, to be honest, I, it sounds crazy. I preferred that version, but only because the context I got of shit that they took out the movie. Because I was like, there was so much they took out of that movie. I'm like, I know there's three hours, and y'all could have probably edited this out. But why did you leave out key plot points? That they, made, made, they made it made more sense, but they didn't make it better. And that's the oh, thing they that make it better, the but, <laughs> They make it better, but at least I, I, I mean, at least I understood yeah. And before we get out, I will I will give BVS this. It still has given me the best Batman fight scene I've seen in the movie, and that's a damn shame that that's the best. I don't know. Okay, I don't know about the 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 new Batman, the new Robert Pattinson Batman with that gun, that hallway gunfight where the only light is coming off the muzzle of the guns. That's pretty badass. That's oh, up there. Oh no, that was no, that was well shot. But as far as like when you think of Batman fights, look, I, I tell people all the time like. Ben, I feel like Ben Affleck. No, he's one of my favorites. If you if you turn off your brain and just don't think to your, and, and like forget that you're looking at Batman and that he's not supposed to be like murdering people in cold blood, yeah, it's a really fun scene. I can agree with that. I mean, even then, like it just it just reminded me of the Arkham series. Like, oh, that's how yeah. Arkham Batman fought. And I just pretend he's Night Owl from Watchmen. That's a great rule. That's a great rule of thumb. And then and then to Owl be fair, man. And, and then to be fair, Batman has. I don't care what people say. They're talking about Batman don't kill. That's bullshit. I can pull up 20 comics where Batman has cat people. Batman yeah, to have they're people. all from the golden age or alternate realities, my friend. But, it, but we'll be here all night if we're going to be debating the morality of superheroes killing. So. <laughs> I'll put it this way. Well, Red Hood said it best. Look, Batman, I can get why you don't kill everybody. The young guy, I'm not saying you kill everybody, but why you leave him alive? Like, why you leave him I'm just saying, heroes should kill. That's all I'm saying. Heroes should kill. If if they have no other choice, I'm just a Bears that fan would say that. <laughs> hey, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying. Here, look. I'm just saying. If the Joker would have got his neck snapped years ago, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be having this problem. We wouldn't be. I mean, Gotham would probably still be shit, but it would be less shitty. <laughs> oh god. I think I think we got that in the comic once. It's called the Batman Who Laughs. It didn't work out very well for anyone. First of all, whoever wrote that, they will they 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 hated life. That, that, That's that, Scott I, Snyder. I know, Scott and Snyder. he yes, everything he does, I love it. But like, God damn, you just hate life. Like, uh, like um, the death of the family. I'm like, who hurts you? 
Who, who the answer is always Scott Snyder hurts Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder. Man, it's a lot of deep-rooted anxieties. Hurt people hurt people, and Scott Snyder hurts Scott Snyder. Well, yeah, we might get a bias. So, but when you come to the reviews, just remember to always bring the popcorn and, and somebody go give Scott Snyder a hug. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all, we are out of here. Raider.